228. Today, it's Kelsey Albert. She's an absolute legend. But hey, if you're new here for the first time, welcome aboard the Noob Spirit Podcast. My name is Shrek, and I get to interview spearfishing legends, characters, and authorities from all over the world. Today, it's Dr. Kelsey Albert. She's a scientist, a freediving, a huntress. She's a multiple uh, world record holder. She's competed on a whole bunch of levels with spearfishing, and she just she truly frosts on the spearfishing lifestyle. And uh, today we get into a lively old chat, particularly about just being conscious about the way we go about our spearing. I really enjoy it. Follow along with her, instagram.com forward slash doctor underscore Kelsey. And uh, her, her and her husband, Kolo, uh, they are a very um, colourful couple in the spearfishing world. I really enjoy following along on their Instagram journey. Uh, when they do post. But uh, anyway, hey, today it's uh, the launch or nearly the launch of our Jobfish Tribute Month. So if you go to noobspiro.com, head up into the store, there is a whole bunch of merch designed around the iconic species of the jobfish. They are an amazing fish to hunt if you've ever had the pleasure of doing it. They are a sort of a subtropical, tropical species, but they involve an intense battle of wits generally when you hunt them. And uh, for that, we give them the utmost respect. And uh, I'd encourage you to head to noobspirit.com, head up into the store and check out some of our jobfish tribute um, selection. Because uh, this month, it's all about them, all about the jobby. And uh, so it's pretty cool to kick off this sort of series with uh, Kelsey's interview. She is uh, an avid hunter and very good at her spearing. But also, in other news, the Palapas World Cup, the Blue Water World Cup, it's just about here. July 1st to 5th, there are three competition days. The full moon is right in the middle of the competition. Uh, all accommodation and meals are provided. You get your own captain who really wants to put you on the fish because there's, there's bragging rights involved, see? And there's a whole bunch of cool prizes. It's very well regarded all over the world. A lot of people uh, go there and a lot of legends in our sport go there as well. It's as, it's as much a social event as it is a, a competitive one. Uh, so Palapas Bentana in Baja, check it out, the Blue Water World Cup. You do not want to miss out on this, my friends. I really want to get to one. Unfortunately, I've got a newborn. So I'll be out again, I think, till 24, 24 at least. But there'll be a whole bunch of sick people there, so I would encourage you to check that out. Hey, win a free T-shirt. I mentioned the Jobfish stuff. If you have some Noob Spiro gear, tag us on Instagram. You could win a free T-shirt and a signed copy of 99 Spiro Recipes simply by tagging us, wearing some of our gear and merch. And, uh, yeah, go into the draw to win a signed copy of 99 Spiro Recipes and a T-shirt. Hey, before we get into this interview with Kelsey, quick shout-out to the Patreon legends helping to power this podcast on an episode-by-episode -episode basis. They do that at patreon.com forward slash noobspiro. Hey, let's go. Dr. Kelsey Albert. Adreno stocks equipment for noobers. The gear you need for all things freediving and spearfishing. The Adreno spearfishing team froth on helping customers learn about the latest in spearfishing equipment, local diving, upcoming trips and events for Spiros of all levels of experience. There's no ego in there. You're going to meet cool people that love this spearing lifestyle as much as you do. Visit them in-store in one of their huge mega stores around Australia. Chat to one of their friendly team members. Take advantage of the Noob Spiro discount code. Save $20 on every purchase over $200 in-store, online, easy savings. Pump in the code Noob Spiro if you're shopping online 
or in-store, mention it's one of their friendly team members and save 20 bucks over 200 That's right, use the code NoobSpiro in-store. Shop with Adreno, our partner for more than 200 episodes. I was left with an empty cooler after missing and wounding a bunch of fish with a shoddy spear gun. A work colleague urged me to speak to Naptonics, and I'm so glad I did. Without Jerry and the Naptonics team, I would have kept missing bulk fish and coming home to my wife empty-handed. Now I can focus on slaying monster hogs and groper and covering the deck of my boat in blood. Never buy a shitty piece of equipment again. Shop Neptonics.com, use the code NOOB10 to save 10% and go spearing with confidence. Jerry says, if we sell it, we believe in it, we trust it and dive it. Shop Neptonics.com, free shipping for the lower 48 for orders over $199 and you can save 10% when you use the code NOOB10, N-O-O-B-10 at Neptonics.com. Hoorah! G'day, Noob Spirit community. I'm joined by uh, Dr. Kelsey Albert. She's an absolute legend. We've been trying to tee up this interview for, I reckon, at least three or four years, Kelsey. What do you reckon? Yeah, probably about that. <laughs> yeah. It's it's great to finally get you on the show. You've been on a, a bunch of fantastic podcasts and you've explored a whole different range of topics. I was recently listening to one you did on Artemis and I found some of that um, stuff really um, interesting and intriguing. Well, thank you. I um, I guess time blown by. It feels like I just did that one, but I guess it's been two years already. <laughs> oh, really? Wow, wow, wow. Well, I, I've been so busy, and I'm painfully out of the loop because I haven't been on social media very much. I've just been really hyper-focused on my career, so ask away. <laughs> that can be a good thing, I think, sometimes. It's good to have a break from social media. It's uh, sometimes like, there's people that are too into social media and then you get the other extreme with the people that have just completely got off. I've had that massive temptation to just dump it and get off. And it's really tricky when you've got like something like, you know, the Noob Spiro and, and you know, the community, you know, they want to have, be in touch and be part of it. And, and then, but on a personal level, sometimes I just want to delete all my stuff and just get the hell off there. But it's like how people, Hey, we stay in touch with people there these days and, um, it's just, it has massive pros and massive cons, I find. I hear you on that. Um, me, I, the older I get, the more private I become. So for me, since I don't make this on social media, it was, it's just very easy for me to just tune off and, you know, go radio silence for a while and just focus on things in my life that are a bit more of a priority. So It's, it's frigging good. Years and years ago, I walked, I walked um, the Camino de Santiago, which was... Um, it's like this old Catholic religious pilgrimage from um, France, and you walk over the Pyrenees Mountains and across northern Spain, and you and you finish off in this this beautiful old Spanish town. And um, you know, it took me a month of just walking, and I completely disconnected from social media, and I found it so delightful. It was so it felt it was so good for me. It definitely is, and um, and also too, like when people want to reach out to me now, I do things directly. If I shoot a big fish, I share it with people directly. You know, I don't, I haven't, yeah, in nice. probably almost two years, I have not posted any of the big fish I've shot. And that's mm. okay. I just, you know what? It's kind of cool that it's a slice of paradise of my own that, I, you know, my close friends appreciate it. But, and that's all I need. That's it. Yeah, nice. You are married to a bloke from Norway, um, He's actually a date. Kale, and <laughs> you and your husband, 
Oh, he's a Dane. Yeah. Okay, but he lives in Norway. Well, actually, okay, actually, cool, cool. Faroe Islands. <laughs> ah, wow, wow. <laughs> That's a very interesting part of the world. It is. It's a little slice of paradise, actually. I think I've actually seen you get engaged in a conversation about the Faroese because they have that controversial thing there that happens every year. Yes, they do. Um, I mean, I I take a pretty neutral position on it. You know, a little bit of cognitive dissonance. You know, I, I on one hand, of course, I I'm also a hunter, and I really respect mm. large, intelligent game animals. Um, you know, to the point where I sight in my rifles and I practice and practice and practice because I do not want to get that wrong. And mm. I see this hunt and I see that the grins that I have attended and I've attended several, mm. they, the people I know that harvest the whales, they really only care about food and the events are over really quickly. Like, you couldn't slit the throat of an animal and have it die quicker than these events are over. That's what I'll say that. Mm. And so my impression of just being there and knowing these people on a personal level is so much different from some of the propaganda you see on social media. So I, I take that yeah. in consideration yeah. and I actually respect a lot of what they do. So I can't, it's not, it's yeah. not my place to tell them how to manage their own resources they have to make that decision for themselves i like that it's it's a it's a it's a nuanced perspective you can tell someone that's that's walked a mile in another person's shoes like you you respect the the shades of gray and i think we're all guilty a little bit in the western world of cultural imperialism where we go to other places and we try to instill or push onto them our values and because we stopped whale hunting in the 19th century we would like everyone else to stop too whereas sometimes i think like people like the Faroese, that that um annual tradition seems entrenched in their local culture and community even like it's part of what they all do together 100 percent. if divers out there listening to this ever just want to go to the Faroe islands and see for themselves to get to know the people instead of judging them from what you see online or see shepherd posts, just go there and shake hands with these people or try living a winter there. If you live through a Faroese winter, you'll really understand that when the planes can't go and the ferries don't go, you know, in times past, you can see, okay, yeah, I can understand why they would take these animals because that is literally all they had. And I can't, mm. I cannot be someone who shoots elk and deer and wild pigs and then judge somebody else for taking another mammal to me that's hypocritical so i won't mm. i can't do it love it i've thrown you straight into a controversial subject albeit All unintentionally right. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I wanted to I, I wanted to say that you and your husband carly i think i'm saying his name right now am i carly keller <laughs> keller yeah keller. sorry i was saying it's, it wrong still so uh, you you and your husband, Kayla, like, it looks like you guys have, like, the best dates ever, I reckon. You go spearfishing. And I, I saw, I don't know how recent it was on social media, you wrote, um, a recent date in the dark, cold waters of Denmark with my husband, uh, Kayla, on my favorite rib boat in the fleet. The feeling of heading out into a rain squall, the sound of engines roaring, 
The urgency of timing on a cold strike mission in an area with often raging current, the sweet, refreshing feeling of diving in cold water of the fall season, the thrill of the hide-and-seek game, spearing colds inside of complex structures, the waves building up and heavy rain and wind, all of it warms our blood and makes us feel at home and alive again for a fun autumn harvest. The bounty shared and appreciated by our family. I love the season and all that it provides. That is that is not a common perspective, but it's one that like kind of like it makes me get that vicarious sense of excitement. You know, like you really carried it well in that in that post, I thought. Well, thank you. I just it does take me forever to write a single post. It's almost exhausting. I can't, <laughs> I'm serious. I'm, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist where I have and I and I still don't. I still don't always word things properly. Like people get all pissed off because I don't say what they want me to say. And I'm just like, you yeah. know what? It's my page, dude. It's a private page. If you, if you want something yeah. else, go somewhere else. Change the channel. Quit being lazy. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, we, we, we had some fantastic, and you never stop dating your spouse. You should never stop dating your spouse. And we've had, mm. We go to places that YouTubers haven't found yet. Thank God. Like, <laughs> thank uh, no, God. I, I don't mean to be a bit snarky and salty, but really, like, I have some dive spots in the Arctic region that nobody, and I do mean nobody goes to. Nobody in their right mind because it's that cold and that remote. And I love it. Every bit of it, I love it. And the f mm. fact that I'm not going to see another boat there and I can be truly like, you know, and it's it's terrifying and exciting and wonderful all at the same time because a million things go wrong. But he and I just like, we love diving cold places. And many of those places also don't have a lot of sunlight. They can be dark. And I mean, I love it. My blood just gets so warm diving cold water. I can't explain it. <laughs> wow. wow. I am. Um... I know that as a young girl, you used to try and stab eels in a stream with a knife. It, it, it seems like you had this hunting orientation from the start. Is that correct? Yes. I grew up in a remote area and we lived off the land. And that's, it's just a big part of my family values is to, you know, harvest sustainably. And we only took what we needed for that season to get us through the winter. Uh, but I, I would say a lot. Unfortunately, my dad passed away many years ago. Um, but I was able to still develop a lot of my hunting skills beyond, you know, parental guidance. And a lot of and yeah. spearfishing has been a journey I've bumbled through on my own. There's been dive clubs along the way and stuff like that. But like I've actually put in a whole lot of work by myself to learn how to rig guns, to study hunting techniques, different kinds of game, you know, to be a, a well-rounded mm. hunter. But the, the, the thing I've really fo focused on a whole lot is, you know, animal anatomy, vital zones. You know, my goal with anything I sh shoot, whether it's a deer or a pig or a fish, one shot, one kill. And that's, that motivates me to do better every time I go out and hunt. Okay, cool. So, I mean, talk about that specifically in a spearfishing context, if you can. So, like, obviously, like, you know, um, with a lot of 
our regular sort of bony fishing stuff, we've got a lateral line. However, I understand in cold water you're hunting a lot of flatfish and the stone spot mm. on those fish is, is a bit different, isn't it? It is. Um, and so, so I encourage divers that even if you are shooting fish that have unusual shapes, try to dissect all of your fish and figure out where the brain case is and where the spine is relative to the skin. And in many flatfish, it's not really obvious where that lateral line is. But if you shoot either through the face, like I always like to shoot my flatfish, not straight down perpendicular, but I like to get almost level with the fish. And I like to shoot them head on because flatfish don't really swim backwards that well. So if you shoot them head on... Ah. They're still going to swim. They're still going to have, they're forced to swim up your shaft if your shot placement is good. Mm. And so that helps secure it. Um, and larger flatfish, I always use a slip tip. Always. And I like to shoot either through the cheek at like a 30 degree angle off the sand or structure so that it, and then yeah. right in line with that, that tiny little fin that's right behind the operculum. And I shoot that way, and it okay. rarely damage. It rarely damages any fillets, and I, I can't stand damaged fillets on my fish. I can't stand it. But <laughs> you know, and this is no, I can't stand it. So, like my, one of my biggest halibut, which weighed more than me, I only needed one shot to land it, just one. Wow. And that's all you should need, because turning a halibut in, into a pin cushion. I just don't like to see people take five shafts to kill a flatfish. Like, dude, get the proper gun in the first place. Because if you're doing that to a flatfish, you should not be shooting them. And I've I've been to Norway and I've seen plenty of plenty of halibut up there with like rips on them where divers shoot them with these crappy little rail guns with floppers. I mean, if you're going to do a, a hunt like that, do it properly in the same way that you would respect a deer. Like, if you plan to shoot elk, why would you show up under your gun? Like, you'll be laughed at if you show up with anything less than a 30 out 6. Bring the proper gear and show that animal respect. And practice on smaller fish before you take down the behemoth. You know what I mean? So I have a lot of strong views on conservation especially of big flatfish because they are they've been recently really glamorized and yeah you know what i mean like i was hunting those things long before youtube videos came out where there were no there was no information out there on how to do it i was just out there i can't tell you how many solo trips to norway sitting on random buses with my dive gear and not having any warm water. I'm serious. And freezing my tits off alone. Just trying to figure it out. And I reached out to Norwegians at the time. And I had I got the cold shoulder. So I didn't wow. have any help. And I put in so many hard years of work. I see all these YouTube videos. And I'm like, you know, divers these days don't know how good they have it in terms of how much information they can just access. 
and yet they're still not hunting these fish properly. So in Denmark, before you can even shoot a bird or a deer, you have to pass, before you get your hunting license, you have to pass a rigorous exam where you have to know the anatomy of your game, optimal shooting distance. You have to pass an identification test of different species. You have to know the local laws. And you have to pass a marksmanship test. So the hunters that come out of Denmark are extremely good, and they have a lot of respect and responsibility for anything they kill. And I just, I really wish people who want to hunt big flatfish or any big game, which is, or anything really, would take it a bit more seriously before they, you know, travel all the way to these places and shoot a fish that they can't even legally take out of the country anymore. Like, for example, did you know that Norway banned, you can't leave the country with more than 20 kilos of meat per person? Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't know that. So, oh yeah, Norway has really started upping their conservation efforts for halibut, and I'm really glad they're doing this. I'm really glad. Like, you can't shoot them bigger than I... 100 kilos oh. anymore. And... You, and per person, you can't you can't legally leave the country with more than 18 kilos of meat from a registered fish camp, mm. and the limit's even less if you're not with a fish camp. Yeah, okay. The Norwegian fisheries. I, I read a little bit about the the halibut in particular. It said like legend legend has it the fish was the personification of Balder, the Norse god for strength and wisdom. Therefore, fishermen treated the holy halibut with nothing but dignity and respect. The halibut's godly connection has not made it seem harmless or mellow to people. On the contrary, fishermen have always been slightly, indeed, sometimes very afraid of this monstrous female uh, because it's the female that grows really big and and apparently they can grow up to 3.5 metres. Yeah, a friend of mine caught a 400-pounder in the Trondheim area many years ago, but you can't anymore. But the uh, even the catch-and-release guys, like a lot of the anglers... They release all the big ones now, yeah. and a lot of the fish camp they've put limits on how many, you, how big you can even bring there. That's more conservative than the actual law. But like, let's say, you know, you're a diver from New Zealand or wherever, you fly all the way there. Your dream is to be like a YouTuber and shoot a big halibut. Okay, you shoot one that's, you know, a hundred kilograms, just on the legal limit, and you are with maybe one other guy. The both of you can only remove 18 kilos of meat per person. So you're wasting most of that fish. And that sucks. That sucks, Shrek. And there's there's a lot of foreigners who have gone up there, couldn't have any trigger discipline. They've shot fish over the legal limit, and they've literally had to dump it into the fjord. It breaks my heart. and It breaks my heart. That'd feel awful. It's awful. So no, I, I don't. I just I have strong feelings about it because those fish are very old and they're the best breeders we have. Yeah. So since I live in the Nordic region, it's very easy for me to export the meat fully. So in Denmark, in the kingdom of Denmark, within the kingdom. I can go between the Faroe Islands and mainland Denmark with an unlimited amount of fish, and that's not a problem. 
but between Norway and anywhere else, forget about it. But if you if if yeah, you don't right. live in the Nordic region, please don't take the big halibut. Just take a small twenty kilo, forty kilo fish. It's less toxic to eat. It the the meat is actually better on the smaller ones. I've eaten several big ones, and I will tell you what, unless it's smoked, it's really not the best texture. It's just not. Okay. The ones that are smaller, way better. Are you a fan of spearfishing tourism in general? Uh, it depends. I'm, um, I've watched, I've watched the sport really change in California. I've watched it grow to the point where places I used to dive without seeing a soul. Now I fear for my life because of boats flying over my head. I've watched the oceans warm in the last 10 years in California and really, really decimate our abalone and kelp populations. I just don't think that spearfishing is really as sustainable as people tout it to be. You know what I mean? There is catch. There is waste. People rip off fish all the time. They rip off tuna. They rip off big pelagics. You know, there is a waste associated with spearfishing that spearfishing hasn't really been honest about. And I would say that mm. as a competition, it's not. It's you can't you can't tell me that the black sea bass in California weren't nearly hunted to extinction by spearfishers. That's the reason they were banned in California, because we nearly hunted them to extinction. It's not that sustainable, yeah. especially on slow growing species. And Yeah. So I have mixed feelings about it, and I also have a growing change of heart in regards to competition spearfishing, like not just the safety aspects or lack thereof, but it's just not sustainable. I think that mm. I think that a lot of changes need to happen before it can be honestly called sustainable. But right now, it's not. It's not all competitions everywhere you're talking about. It's no some specific just, ones, I, and I, I don't want to land you and and okay. more controversy yeah but I, I agree with you I, and i think when i used to look back at some competitions i used to be kind of disgusted like um oh yeah you know i i think just you know co competing has a whole bunch of benefits you know there's the social community aspect there's the self-mastery there's um getting really strategic with the way you think and plan and um and the, the competition just seems to bring out excellence in people and uh and people learn good stuff at the competitions in and around the event as well but then the other side of it is the way the rules are set up uh to make it fair and safe for people but also sustainable on the environment it's a it's a it's a delicate old uh it's a delicate thing to do i think i agree and hmm. i think that I think that there are competition formats that could be friendlier to local fish populations than, like, for example, many of the comps I see in California, unfortunately, are not. There are certain spearfishing clubs here in the L.A. area that when they host a tournament, they've got like several dozen divers on a spot and they encourage this competition format to take 20 fish. I have a 10 
attended those tournaments, I've taken 20 fish. And I've also watched over the years, many competitors dump those fish in the bushes when they're done. After they get their trophy, whatever hardware they're getting, literally, quote, donate the perch to the bushes. And I just got real sick of that. I really got sick of that. Like, you can have a tournament where you take, like, three fish. Why does it have to be 20? Yeah. And I, I, I miss the camaraderie yeah. of a lot of these competitions, but there's also, it brings out a lot of excellence, but it also brings out a dark side in people. It really does. Yeah. Especially at a world championship level. I've seen very unsportsmanlike behavior. I've experienced bullying from my own national team. And I'm sorry, but when you're diving like 30 meters just to find a 100 gram fish that may or may not be in that hole, that's too much drama yeah. to risk your life for. It really is. And I, and it's, yeah. I'm just going to be brutally honest with you. Like, I'm not worried about pussyfooting around any issue. You, I'll talk directly about anything. It's not a problem for me. Yeah. Yeah, cool. We've gone deep and dark. We've gone deep and dark. I now know we, you've got a lighter I, side as well. That's, <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, but I, I keep it real. I'm I'm not everybody's cup of tea, but I say what I mean and I don't miss yeah. mince words. I'm not a politician at all. <laughs> oh, good. Neither yeah. am I. I'm clumsy and at the best of times, and 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 when I'm intentional about what I'm saying, I still sometimes just don't say it right. But I want to circle back with competition, so I'm not avoiding the topic. No I wanted to just quickly divert. I wanted to quickly divert though, because I know you're a self-professed geek. And, uh, and you've done a lot in the medical science uh, industry, uh, like stem cell research and some other intriguing areas of study. I, wanna, I want you to talk about, because you're an avid outdoors person, I want you to talk about where your research and your, and, your, and your day job, your occupation there, where they've crossed over and where you've had oh. some really interesting um, sort of, uh, you know, crossover and, and big takeaways for all of us. Oh, my. Well... I, don't, I, su- I surprised you with this out of left field, didn't I? Did no, no preparation you did. for you here, Kelsey. I, I'm impressed. I, <laughs> I honestly didn't think. I thought you'd ask the same boring questions that every interviewer asks. So tell us about being a woman in the sport. I'm like, God, I've sung that song so many. <laughs> Can you come up with something different? All right. Thanks. I'm not so going to ask you those thank questions. Thank you for asking me <laughs> cool questions. And I am a proud nerd. Okay. I'm very much an athlete, like, but I also, I also like to quietly watch Star Trek when it comes on. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm a Trekkie. Okay. I love everything nerdy. If you, if you, I get the Planck's constant reference from Stranger Things. Okay. Like I, I'm a big, I'm a big nerd, but you know, there's a saying, okay. you can either be a nerd or, or you can work for one. So. When I was young, um, I grew up in the country and, you know, my animals, I was so far away from having like friends that I only got to see them at school. So when I was home, I had animals, snakes, all kinds of critters. And I just, I've always had like a fascination for everything science, like instead of Barbie dolls, well, I had Barbies. But they also played with my Ninja Turtles and my Erector sets and my Legos. I had pretty much a tomboy <laughs> upbringing. And I just, and I had my own microscope 
my mom saw that I was a nerd early on. Just she got me all kinds of like medical books and we volunteered for the local fire department. So I got to see like, you know, as a young volunteer, I got to see all kinds of like traffic accidents and and I was just like, okay, this is what I want to do when I grow up. And so I had an uncle. Wow. Father was gone at a young age. But my uncle was paraplegic and he taught me how to fish. So this man who couldn't wow. walk taught me how to throw a football and fish. And he was also a nerd. <laughs> That's cool. But but I just I read some article about some California researcher who is using stem cells to fix the spinal cords in mice. Oh my God, maybe I can help you walk again. And so from there, I, I went down this path and I worked, I had a, I had a great career in research where I worked with human embryonic cells and, and my path eventually took me out to California. Of course, it's biotech beach. And there's a tremendous amount of human embryonic stem cell research here and also adult stem cells. I got to work with glioblastoma lines. I got to, I mean, I just had a, a passion for wanting to not just heal my uncle or anybody like him, but I, I, it quickly wow. became obvious to me that like my love of nature and looking through microscopes, like that all translates everywhere in life. So if you, you know, like when I was young, I used to find snakes that got hit by a car and I would care for them until they got better. So I had like a caregiver streak in me at a young age. It just, I don't know, it all, it all just made sense to me. And I've always, you know, whether it's working on an ambulance or doing stem cell research or, you know, direct patient care as a chiropractor, like I've just always loved helping people in any capacity that I can. But then there's this side of me too that loves hunting. But I've tried to make it make sense in my brain where I love saving lives, but I also see it's necessary to take one in order to feed myself. So there is that that part of my journey as well. Yeah, a lot of people like, you know, you, we mentioned Sea Shepherd earlier and these yeah. projects that... Um that they they dwell and on that compassionate side of mm-hmm. humanity and they they love to, to pull the heartstrings and some of them have got you know great causes and they 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 even seem to have good motives but the execution of those sometimes and this uh, inability to be rational about the cost of having life is right. it's quite amazing sometimes to deal with them how do you being who you are, being this compassionate person that wants to help people and, you know, like you've spent a lot of time yes. in your life doing that. Um, and then you're this avid hunter and outdoors woman. How do you speak to those people when they have big conversations about this with you? Well, it depends on how nice they are. <laughs> Honestly, um, I've I, really, at least sometimes I just give them a dose of reality where I'll eat meat in front of them but okay so it's hard to find ones that will sit down and really hear you out but i will say that sea shepherd does have some rational people that are willing to listen 
And I have some friends on the Faroe Islands that have invited them, like even the most like staunch vegan animal rights people actually just, you know, invite them to just come out on the boat and see and get to know the Faroese people beyond the whole social media propaganda. There are those willing to build bridges and listen. And I will say that Sea Shepherd has actually had a positive impact on the Faroese people. I've watched them like regulate their grind there where they only have one guy that's licensed to take the killing blow to the animal. It's highly organized. It's organized better than most drive hunts I've ever seen. And it's, I mean, yeah. and they, they keep strict numbers. They keep strict regulation and actually knowing having many fairies friends, many of them respect sea shepherd. They do. And the, the Sea Shepherd does good yeah. work elsewhere in the world. I'm not a fan of their terrorist activities. Um, <laughs> but I think that, there, I, I, honestly, but I do think that there's kind of a yin and yang to any cause out there. Just like, you know, the intention of, intention of every doctor is to do no harm. But our, sometimes yeah. a system can create a situation nobody foresees that ends up harming a population more than intended. Like the opioid crisis in the United States. You know, doctors were told yeah. by pharmaceutical companies, hey, just just give them opioids. Oh, you got a backache? Well, I'm not going to send you to a chiropractor. I'm going to just send you with a hundred of these codeine pills. Have fun. So the idea is to do no harm. You know what I mean? So, great question. Ocean Guardian is the world's leading shark deterrent technology. And the great news is they're now partners with the New Stereo Podcast. You can save 10% on the Freedom 7 or Scuba 7 when you shop at Ocean Guardian. Uh, use the code NoobSparrow at checkout to save 10%. If you want to go there, easy, super easy, go to noobsparrow.com forward slash OG. Short for Ocean Guardian. Pretty original, eh? Pump in the code NoobSparrow and you'll save 10% on your Shark Shield device. Get into it, get amongst it. Ocean Guardian are doing awesome things for spirit. Are you in the market for a new spear gun? Killshot Spear Guns has got blue water wahoo tuna guns, open track spear guns, enclosed track spear guns, rear handle enclosed tracks. Check them out at killshotspearguns.com. Even better, I've got some good news for you. You can save $30 on any Killshot Spear Gun at killshotspearguns.com. Use the code NOOB. If you're in store, just say, Crikey, mate, or say Shrek from the Noob Spiro sent you, and you'll save $30. Ed Martin at killshotspearguns.com. Check him out. In the world of freedive spearfishing, there's no magic breathing technique that's all of a sudden going to get you down and shoot massive fish at depth and holding big bottom times, but there is a way to do it safer and smarter, take down more fuel to maximize the time that you have there. Learn at noobspiro.com forward slash Ted with Ted Hardy from Immersion Freediving. If you take down more fuel, you can stay for longer. Learning to take a bigger breath is not such a big deal. Ted breaks it down for you with a free online course, noobspiro.com forward slash Ted. Take down 20 to 30% more air just by learning how to take a full breath. Again, Learn how to do it free at noobspiro.com forward slash TED. With all the research you did in the medical field, was there anything that directly related to spearfishing and freediving? 100%. So I'm excited to see that there is a blossoming of freediving research around the world. 
and many of the people who are studying cardiopulmonary physiology of elite athletes and and using that knowledge like you know the number of free divers in the world is so small but what can you do by studying extreme physiology well you can apply that to astronauts you can apply that to deep sea divers the military you can also apply it to the huge number of people that suffer from heart attacks or strokes every year there was a paper that came out i think it was like 2009 that studied hypoxia markers in the brain of free divers and that one hypoxia marker is also expressed by people who suffer from strokes ischemic damage of the brain so there is ah. there is some translation between studying how the body adapts to freediving and applying that to your everyday person who, you know, maybe there might be a, a drug that helps with the oxidative damage or prevents further damage, just something to help grandpa who suffers a stroke. Everyday people. The, the whole, it has to be meaningful to everyday people because studying an extreme athlete isn't really that interesting unless it can be applied that's that's the beauty of it and i i'm really happy to see just just all these people around the world that have been connected in ways we've never been connected before and minds are coming together and we're realizing wow freedivers might hold the key to somebody who suffers from a heart attack or other or some other hypoxic brain injury so I, that's exciting to me, super exciting. And there is a connection between hypoxia and cancer growth in the brain. Yeah, Hypoxia in a, in a glioblastoma is actually pretty interesting in, in the way that the stem cells change and, and evolve in the tumor itself. So there is some crosstalk between oxidation and stem cell differentiation. That's well known. So who knows? Wow. It might be studying free divers that helps people with brain cancer one day. What are you working on right now? I am not medical practice. Um, I do a lot of contract work for biotech companies, um, medical writing and stuff like that. And I'm actually working on my second doctorate as we speak. So, wow. I'm the I'm the kind of per what? person that prefers to hustle and and I don't I don't want to I don't want to announce it before that baby has been born but I am working on my second doctorate. No worries. I am working on my second doctorate right now and I'm hoping to apply some of the things we spoke about in the near future. That's I just want to just kind of keep that, you know, right there. Very cool. It's a bit of a marathon too with uh, with a lot of that work. It's definitely not a sprint. It's just like sustained output over a long period of time. So you, you kind of have to have a strong purpose and vision for what you're doing. And I will say that, yes, you do. That's a very good way to put it. And you also can't be afraid to fail. And it's like, you know, I've, I've done so many different like long-term experiments where you invest months and months of work and it fails, or it doesn't work out the way you want, or it didn't quite gener generate meaningful data, or fashionable, yep. or fashionable data that pharmaceutical companies want to hear, right? 
there's the politics and that there's a lot of politics in that you have to be you have to have a level of patience like a sniper you really have to be really patient and disciplined and and be in it for the long distance shot not immediate gratification long distance rewards and that is that takes a very special kind of mindset you know to 100% yeah. bet you it does that's, I want to change gears on yeah, you again. <laughs> uh, I've got to be cruel to you. Um, I, I, I heard you like a poke bowl, and uh, <laughs> I really want to know what what a perfect poke bowl looks like from start to finish. Walk me through it. Oh, oh my. Okay, so random left field turn. Okay. <laughs> this is what I do these days, Kelsey. Like, I love it. I get to ask apparently clever questions and then just leave my guests reeling. That's great. You know, I have a lot of friends who have ADHD and I love them. They they surprise me in wonderful ways. I appreciate them. <laughs> I'm not saying you have it. I'm just saying I'm used to this. Just saying, <laughs> That's okay. I'll take it. But, I'll take it. Oh, um, Pokeballs. I'm not going to claim that I'm an expert on making Pokeballs, but I specifically like to take my California white sea bass and that's my favorite fish to make poke out of and I just use simple ingredients that I can if I can't find it at Trader Joe's it's probably not going in the recipe I'm, I'm really simple when it comes <laughs> to that I'm serious I don't care about posting uh, I just I just want it to taste good so I use like you know I chop the meat up and it's a little cubic centimeter chunks hey as an american you got to give me credit for my use of the metric system i've worked hard on it oh i was loving that actually <laughs> i was loving that i was like here's, hey, here's the scientist hey, right I'm, there. I'm all metric these days um i love it so cubic centimeter chunks and i like to pat the meat really dry I like i don't i hate mushy pokey and then i just take something super simple like toasted sesame seed oil they have a really good one at Trader Joe's. And then I just mix the meat in that. And then I like to have uh, red onions. I I do like spicy mixed with sweet because that's kind of my personality. I'm, I'm sweet, but I'm also very spicy. So I mix <laughs> hot peppers that are fresh, not from a jar. That's, that's blasphemy, having peppers in a jar. Good Lord. Um, and mangoes. I like jalapenos and mangoes in my pokey. Wow. That's just how I am. And then fresh okay. cilantro. And I will tell you that having lived in Scandinavia for some years, what they consider cilantro and Mex Mexican food ingredients is just not it's just not acceptable. Okay. God bless them for trying. But I love nothing more than when I'm home <laughs> in California and I can get proper cilantro. I love, no offense yeah, to my yeah. Scandinavian friend. But their but their idea of Mexican food is like El Paso or Santa Maria brand doesn't work. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and I just you know that's that's it. And then I'll put like you know sesame seeds on it with a little nori chunks and a little bit of salt. Ooh. And then I, having been in California most of my life, must have either tapatio sauce or Valentino's or just something, some kind of spicy sauce with it. That's you can't eat pokey without 
That sounds that sounds good. Have you got that recipe up online somewhere? Maybe I'm, but I'm happy to share that with you. I know that you have. Yeah, you have this awesome book, and I'm so sad that I missed the deadline to apply. (laughs) Ah, But if you're but if you're making another one, or just want to share it, I'm happy to. It's nothing. It's nothing like you know groundbreaking. It's just a stupid recipe I made, but I like. Oh, I, I like the sound of it. It's good. And uh, every every Spiro is, like, pretty humble about what they make. But generally, like, you know, like, your creation quite often is the process of 10 failures. Oh, yeah. And you've made it exactly to the way you mm-hmm. like it. And that's why I like the the collection of 99 Spiro recipes. It's because, you know, these people have spent a lot of time, a lot of thought creating these things. And while we kind of write off our own creations, they still they can be really cool. And I, I think your Pokeball sounds awesome. Um, I'm going to link it up today if you can send me through anything. Um, noobspiro.com forward slash Kelsey, K-E-L-S-E-A. I'll link up anything we chat about in today's interview there, including your socials that you don't like to use. Oh, I'm just I'm just really aloof about that stuff these days. But I appreciate how sweet you are. I love what you do for the spearfishing oh. community. Honestly, Honestly, somebody just being kind to all the new guys and gals out there, it's just a, it's a blessing in the global community. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. And 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 talk to the, the, the people that are brand new listening. Like um, knowing what you do now and, and learning the way you learned. And, uh, I mean, walk us through, you know, like your kind of practical advice that you'd like to give anyone new that you meet in person to spearfishing. Okay. For all the new guys and gals out there, you guys have so many resources available to you that you may not even really understand just how much there is out there now. Please, in everything that you do, think about, you know, being ethical to your catch. First and foremost, don't let that fish suffer. Please improve your shots. I know that everybody wants to rush through the journey and have their Instagram hero picture. But if you take the time to really practice your shots and treat treat a fish as you would a deer or a bird and give it the same respect and the amount of effort you put in before the hunt is just as important as what you shoot. And then use all of what you eat. You know, it's easy to get caught up in the glamour of seeing everybody with these huge fish and you want to do it too. I get it. But think about, do you actually have a plan for that meat? And then when you choose your dive buddies, if if your dive buddy is not within arm's reach of you, you are diving alone. And the coolest diver is the one that comes home alive at the end of the day. It's not the diver with the biggest fish. It's the guy who respected his catch the most, was professional and clean about it, actually ate it. And then, you know, the guy who comes back alive. And be that, be that diver who checks on other people. We have a lot of people in the sport that they dive alone. A lot of people in the sport suffering from depression or whatever else they got in their life. So spearfishing is their escape. It attracts people who want to escape other things in their lives. So check on your buddies. 
being a dive buddy doesn't just mean watching their head pop up. It means being present for them. There is a psychological component to free diving that we still don't understand. So, yeah, and that's that's not on YouTube. That's not in some book you can read. But if you want to build that community and just be a good diver, the one that people remember, it's not going to be that world record fish. It's going to be how you treated people. You know, how good of a friend you were to somebody else. So don't rush the journey. You know, when you shoot a fish and you take a bad shot, take the time to understand why. Is it your gear? Do you need glasses? Stop taking shortcuts and put in the hard work. And if you're lucky enough to be under someone else's wing, treat your mentors with respect. You know, don't just abandon somebody who offered to help you. Be a good student. Don't don't take their effort to help you for granted. Be present for them. And that's, if I could tell every new guy and gal that, just really respect the people who came before you i think i think we'd have a better global community wow i have a couple of follow-up questions sure. for you um one thing from my own experience growing up was um i was a shitty mentee and i realized that now <laughs> and i w- one thing i used to do as a young person particularly was i would have a hero and then i would i would hang out with that hero and try to learn everything and then I would start noticing things about them that weren't perfect. Mm-hmm. And then I would stop stop honoring them and stop treating them with the respect that I afforded them previously because I began to notice, you know, the some of the stuff that was less than perfect right. about them. And I think that was some, that, something that I learned as I got older, just to honor people, even when you see warts and all, you know. Exactly. Um, but that's that's a hard one, though. It is a hard one. And I've had people reach out to me. Like, I've had a lot of women reach out to me oh i want to you know and they're all starstruck or whatever and i don't know maybe it's just me but I, i'm always distrustful of people who come on too strong too quick you know what i mean it's like a, almost yeah. like a vacuum salesman but that's that's me <laughs> <laughs> but i i just you know and it's i don't normally respond to flattery even i'm i'm sort of a skeptical like okay let's see what's really behind all the flattery here because on the west coast people are going to butter you up before they actually shoot their angle at you before they tell you what they actually want and few few people here contact you unless they need something and i've had many women approach me and it's that i don't think they really cared about the friendship they just wanted the association with, with who I am or what I've yeah. done and I'm sorry but I'm looking for friends I don't I don't really do not care about followers I just want a genuine I don't <laughs> do shit I just want a genuine friend and if you come at me yeah. and you just want my big fish spots but you don't care about whether or not I come home I really don't care to know you maybe that's brutal that's how- I'm serious I'm too old for this shit you know I like I like having friends Friends and diving that I can trust. And I yep. love helping people. But don't be a shitty mentee. <laughs> Please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I feel you. It's good. It's good. Um, the other one, follow-up question I wanted to ask was about. Salt? Like you, No, it's good. It's good. I love it. It's good Go information. Um, the, the other one, we, we've chatted quite a, a bit about 
fish anatomy and being accurate. And you've given lots of advice about people placing care on shop placement and being accurate, looking after their gear, preparing themselves. Yeah. Um, can you put some wheel? Can you put some wheels on that? Like, what does that look like? Does that mean target practicing in a pool? Does it mean um, re-rigging your gun? Does it mean um, getting some tuition? What What does it look like? That's an awesome question, and that is one that new divers should pay attention to. Um, that means. First, first and foremost, doing a bit of research about what size gun is appropriate for what target you're after, right? Just like, you know, shooting an appropriate hunting rifle. Obviously, you're not going to show up to an elk hunt with a 22. Okay, that's a no-brainer. But those things are a little bit less obvious than spearfishing, right? So it would, it would be prudent for a new diver to, to read research the appropriate site for the target species for example please do not shoot big halibut with a 60 centimeter flopper gun with no tagline no float line none of that do a bit of research about you know can i rig this with a slip tip how is this thing going to perform in water that's really cold because bands when you're in really cold water they lose a lot of power Anybody who has ever hunted in water close to the freezing point knows just how gutless bands can be and where, you know, a badass 120 centimeter gun might just go when you shoot it. So you actually have to practice (laughs) in the water. Oh, yeah. That was a big learning curve for me in the Arctic was finding a band supplier and the optimal band length for that gun. And that is going to be totally different than me using that same exact gun in North Carolina or California, right? So this is stuff that people get up there, they don't know, and then all of a sudden they shoot a big halibut and it doesn't penetrate the fish. And then you ripped off something that was 50 years old, and that sucks. So there is a whole lot of research that should go into the right hunt. And yeah, if you have to get into a pool and practice your shots, please do it. Videotape yourself have a buddy videotape you troubleshoot why you're not accurate treat it like you were going to a range and you're sighting in a rifle because you you just drew a tag for like a trophy you know ibex hunt in spain i don't know just treat it like treat it as serious as that because your hunt should be 90 percent preparation you know whether it's you know, putting a bigger rubber butt on your spear gun because your seven millimeter suit is a smooth exterior and you can't even load the thing because it's slipping around everywhere. Little stuff like that. Practice, practice, practice the actual hunt before you pull the trigger on a living animal. And when you finally get there in that moment, um, trust, trust me, all your hard work will pay off the more you prepare. It's great advice, Kelsey. I was just going to say, I'm the kind of guy that goes out hunting and I just use a 30-odd six for everything. Like in Australia, feral cats are massive. And uh, so I'll be shooting a feral cat with like, you know, a 170-grain bullet and a 30-odd six and they just, you know, there's not much left of the cat after left. Put it that way. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. uh, That's not not supposed to be funny, but it is. Okay. I, yeah, I worked in well, an ambulance. It, it kind of I is. worked in an ambulance for many years. 
okay. I drove the gut bucket. My, I have a very dark sense of humor, so it's okay. It really is. Okay, cool. <laughs> I was a correctional officer too, so I do as well. Where are you? That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. How many years? Wow. Okay, I learned something new about you. Thank you. So you drove the gut bucket though. Tell me. Oh, so that you develop this dark sense of humor. Well, you have to. Otherwise, you go crazy. Um, that's one of the, that's what that was one of my favorite jobs. I worked for an ambulance company, well, several, in the Southern California region, and so I've done everything from interfacility transport to bariatric transport to NICU units where I'm transporting a a baby that needs heart surgery, and those are those are white knuckle grip on the steering wheel kind of calls, by the way. Wow. And I've run 911. I was present during, we had a mass shooting here. I've seen so many, so many gunshot victims here. Like, I worked at a station that deployed 81 units. And it, and I love night shift. That's like when I shine. So I worked 1,800 hours to 0600. But our 12-hour our shifts usually became like 18 to 20 hour shifts that's just how busy we were and i got paid shit but the job itself was awesome that i just I, there's nothing like getting somebody's heart beating again or having somebody's daughter hug you because you saved their mom like i can have so much other crap going on in my life but that job that job made me feel on top of the world <laughs> even making ten dollars an hour <laughs> <laughs> I I also did a little bit of research. I went on your Instagram and I found out that oh, it, it might be one of possibly one of the most unique techniques for arousing a species curiosity. I can't I can't remember if you remember this, but I read on Instagram that you may have farted so hard that your back cracked. <laughs> 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 I, I really i really appreciate that that stuck out at you i there's so much shit i can't i there is so much shit i can't post on instagram because people would just think differently about me but i love fart humor i do it never stops being me funny too. i might have been educated yeah. like by an ivy league school but farts are hilarious okay they're there's so many different sounds and notes and octaves you can hit. And yeah, I may have cracked my own back. <laughs> that's, um, that's when I discovered I had a pretty profound wheat allergy. So <laughs> there's that. There's that. I love that feeling underwater when you pull the trigger and you know exactly where that shaft is going. You want something dependable. You want to put that fish that you've been chasing for a lifetime in the boat, in the cooler, in the esky, in the chili bin, if you're in New Zealand. Why do we call all these things different names? Anyway, today's show sponsor, KillshotSpearGuns.com, make awesome wooden timber spear guns, a fantastic shooting platform. If you've ever shot a big timber gun, you know the, the reliability that you get from these things. Uh, he mostly makes enclosed track spear guns. Visit him at KillshotSpearGuns.com, use the code NOOB, to save $30 on any Killshot Spear Gun. 
Hey guys, not sure how you stay hydrated out on the boats on those long days out on the water, uh, but staying hydrated is absolutely critical to Gould's good equalization and looking after your body, making sure you're not doing those awkward one-legged kicks to the surface when, when one leg cramps out on you. Go to aqualite.com.au and get yourself a box of sachets. You just simply add them to water. It's less than $1.28 per serve. It's cheaper and cheaper and healthier than any other sports drinks on the market. Aqualite will make a difference in your spearfishing. Check it out at aqualite.com.au. Use the code NoobSparrow to save 10% on any order. Check it out. Aqualite, made in Western Australia. Got a sweet deal for you today, guys. Go to freedivingfamily.com and learn from Adam Stern and a select team of experts on different disciplines. There's Frenzel, Advanced Frenzel and Hands-Free Equalization, Mouthful, Deep Frenzel Equalization, Bifinning Essentials. These are courses that will give you the 1% that will allow you to improve. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. Again, that's the code SPIRO to get 20% off at freedivingfamily.com. Thanks, Adam and team. Love it. Walk me through... One of one of the funniest experiences you've had out spearfishing that may or may not have involved said wind passing. So here's here's something that men don't think about. So you know how a lot of wetsuits usually have like the farmer John thing? You know that yeah. the bottom piece has the farmer John. Well, if you're a lady mm. and you're and it, it doesn't I always go naked under my wetsuit because bikinis they rub. You know, and I'm wearing seven mils and five mils. It just doesn't feel good. Where it's a wedgie, you can't get rid of. It sucks. So I just go naked. <laughs> well, I yep. used to wear the I used to wear the Farmer John before I wisened up and started chopping them off. And I'm an avid kayak diver. So I went out. I went out, and I think I spent like a week in Big Sur. Phone was off. I was diving for Jade. Life was good, and I was so clueless about the weather. <laughs> I'm driving back to LA and I was like, Oh, I'll stop along the way and go dive Palos Verdes, you know, just kind of funk around, maybe see if I could find a hell of it. I didn't get the memo that there was like supposed to be some tsunami. I should get that memo. And I get out there <laughs> and my stomach, I don't know what I ate, but I had to, I had to go. And it, it was a phone call in line <laughs> two. Okay. And it was like fat so- bastard, you know, turtle head poking out. First things first, like all this in my mind and like I have bright yellow kayak and I'm out in the middle of the water, like away from shore and I have to take a shit the size of Godzilla. And I just, (laughs) with that farmer, John, you can't just take your top off. You got to take all of it off. And if you're a lady, that means showing your boobs. So I'm out there buck ass naked on my kayak, hanging my ass off one side. And I'm just letting it go. And I'm just, it's its bad. It's so bad. It's just so bad. And the problem is, there's, and I thought, oh, there's nobody on the water. This is weird for a Saturday. There's nobody on the water. And then this Coast Guard helicopter comes screaming around the cliffs. And like, I'm not kidding, dude. It, it stops right over my damn kayak. And I'm pretty sure every one of those boys and gals saw my Irish flapjacks right there. <laughs> and I just, no, the, the best part was I know the guys that work at that station. 
and I got a text, oh. and oh yeah, it gets better. I got back to my truck, and I got a text message that said, "Are you feeling better?" <laughs> <laughs> so, so ever since then, oh. ever since then, I have, and we've all been there, right? We've all had to take the aqua deuce. Hundred percent. Right. I'm. I've painted many rocks <laughs> around the world. It's just. It's part of being a diver. You know. Yeah. It's better than having a code brown. But, uh, yeah, 100%. Oh my God. So, anyway, like, and it's, but if you're a woman, there's just different considerations for being hygienic. There is. <laughs> there really is. And just also being modest and discreet. And I'm sorry, I'm not one of these Florida gals that just, I don't know what they wear, but it's basically like dental floss between their cheeks. I, I just, I can't dive like that. I'm in California, I dive cold water. So, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's, you know, so going to the bathroom is a bit more of an endeavor when you wear thick wetsuits and also being like, if you're on a boat full of guys, how do you handle that? Well, you just have to, you just have to be a woman and drop it and go. You just have to realize that everybody poops. It's just part of the, part of the life. And yeah, but not many women. In the words of Snoop Dogg. Yeah, yeah. Just drop it like top. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that is my breaking wind story. That was more than break. Uh, that's more it. than breaking wind. But we've, you know, yeah. I think one thing. I think one thing is like, like um, it's good when you can just laugh at yourself, and you know, yes. fifty yes, years is. ago, this stuff would not have been like discussed ever. You know, like. And I, I think it's good that we've, we've removed some of these things. To me, I'm a bit like you. Like, I just have this, like, you know, almost teenage humor about shitting and farting. And, and it doesn't no, go it doesn't. away. <laughs> the older I get, the funnier it seems to get. So um, that will always be a part of this podcast. <laughs> so. Well, I will tell you that, that my husband and I give each other a run for our money. Actually, actually Shrek. <laughs> okay, so how do you date somebody on the other side of the world and then decide you're going to marry them? Well, the very first date, can I tell you about our first date? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So I'm traveling the world alone and I want nothing to do with their relationship, right? I'm just happy being single and solo. And I meet this sweet guy on a trip to Denmark and you know, okay, we stay in touch. And eventually he works up the courage six months. It took him six months to ask me out on a date. He's just so sweet about it. And our first date, he's like, would you like to come hunt wild pigs with me? In <laughs> and I was in January. Okay. You're pulling me away from a California winter to go to Sweden in January where it's negative 20 degrees Celsius. And I was like, yes, that sounds like a perfect first date. And my mom was like, just oh. make sure he's not a serial killer. Where is this cabin? <laughs> so anyway, that was our first date. And I... Kevin, is that what she called him? There's <laughs> one in America that's kind of a thing you should think about. She's like, you yeah. know, anyway, she's like, you're dating a guy in what? I was like, mom, I was like, I'll, I'll let the police know where I am. It's okay. But so, <laughs> I get there. Yeah. And we have a wonderful, wonderful first date. I just. You know, movies and chocolate and teddy. That's not really my thing. But shooting wild pigs, yes. And my first, like, proper boar in Sweden was 100 kilos. It was a monster. 
Wow. Yeah, it was just a That's big huge. old nasty male. It was perfect. And, and it was the oh. second largest ever shot in that commune. It was great. Yeah, wow. yeah. It was, it, and he, it, it was just the, it was a wonderful experience tracking it in the snow and, and then eating it. It didn't even taste like crap. Like a lot of big pigs, you should, oh, you should, yeah. a lot of them taste like, whoa, you know, like, oh, the musk. And then you have to like soak it, melt yeah. and stuff. No, this thing was so good. It was really surprising. And, well, well, farm farmed pig too. Yeah. Like when you've eaten like nice wild pig, it is it is a bit gamey. It's got a a, yeah. a, a rougher taste mm-hmm. to it. But you never really want to eat farmed pig again when you've had good wild pig. No, it's there's no contest. What a first date! So you shoot a hundred kilo pig. Mm-hmm. It was great, and I yeah. and I also showed him that I could be the perfect hunting wife for him. And I gutted the thing, and I cleaned all the meat. I cleaned all the meat. I showed him my Dexter skills. You know, I had that thing chopped up. It was awesome. And then I had, and then I had to test him, Shrek. I had to see if I'm going to continue dating this guy. So he has to pass the fart test. So I cut, I cut a growler in the kitchen. <laughs> just, I just, I was just like, all right, this is going to determine if he gets a second date. I went, I was just a was super gnarly. It was so gnarly, and the look, on his, and the look on his face was love. It wasn't horror. It was a little bit of horror. <laughs> and but the fact that he laughed, the fact that he laughed, I was like, okay, you'll get a second date. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. It's good when you can be yourself straight away. Like I think now the other measure of the people I love spending time with, it's people like I have to know early on. Don't waste anybody's time. You know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, love that. Great technique. I'm gonna, I'm, th- I'm gonna do that to test all our, all my new relationships. Yeah, it's, it's a great filter because you do not want to be with somebody who has no sense of humor, especially if you have a job that's like gnarly and you see death. I'm sorry. Yeah. But when I come home, I need somebody that laughs with me because life would just suck if I, if I have to like, you know, I have to live with IBS and in pain all the time because oh, I don't. Women don't fart. Women don't even poop. I don't want to hear about it. Yeah, screw that. I want to do that laughed. <laughs> so that's good. I'm glad we got to share a laugh. I wanted to dig back deep with my ADHD into into some of the comp formats um, and how we can make them safer. Like, so sorry. No, to... don't be sorry. This is a great topic. This is awesome, actually. Okay. I think I may have asked you a while back, how are you guys in Australia? I, I'm under the impression that you guys have really tried to improve the safety of your tournaments by having like a one-up, one-down deal, or is that the New Zealanders? I'm not sure. Forgive my... No, no. Uh, both both countries are heading that way. Right. So the recent Australian Nationals was a full pairs okay. comp. And the, our recent Queensland state titles were a pairs mm-hmm. comp. And uh, it's we're headed in the right direction. It's fantastic. Um, I I really like it. Um, I'm not too carried away with the details of of how that what the pair diving looks like, as long as you know they are in a pair. I think that's fantastic. And I I, I think there's a shifting mindset now that's like spearfishing starting to be seen more as a team sport. You know, like you know, there's so many fish that you don't really want to try and land. Yeah. By yeah. yourself, I know the world records, you know, stand in contrast to this. But 
you know, spearfishing lends really well to have a team mentality. And I, I, I'm glad to see some of the comps in our part of the world, at least going that way. Well, you bring up several things to unpack there. And I, having dove many CMOS level of like world's level events and regional like Euro Africans, I ran safety for that in Denmark. I was there when a diver died in Denmark. And it was wow. awful. Wow. It was so gutting and awful to deal with that. And he wasn't that deep. It was 25 meters. But still, mm. you know, the you can't know the horror of, like, the guys when they found his body. They were breathless. They couldn't dive back down. It's just, it's hell on everybody. And unfortunately, a yeah. lot of these, like, international level like world's level tournaments especially ones run by CMOS and I am going to pick on them because quite frankly they deserve it they do okay a lot of their yeah. rules discourage the use of free dive recovery vests like you're disqualified yeah. if it deploys so a lot of divers don't even use the FRV or the new Senso 7 devices and to me if you're at a CMOS world spearfishing championship and you are one diver per boat and you're not allowed to have a dive buddy or a spotter. And you're telling me that I'm probably going to have to like dive 30 meters by myself all day, which by the way, can give you yeah. the bends 30 meters. Uh, it, it does. And, and I think the winning, the winning Italian for the men's team, I'm, he was pushing more than 50 meters by himself. And that's just obscene wow. for fish that are barely like five pounds. It's just, it's, yeah. they value, they care more about preventing divers from cheating than they do ensuring divers just have adequate safety. Like there's no spotters, no nothing. And a lot of this whole like team, you know, when you qualify, at least in my nation, when you qualify to be on the team, you're not necessarily diving with people that are your close friends who have your back. You're a team on paper. That's just the brutal reality of it. So then you, then, and especially in American culture, it's a very individualistic culture where people are largely out for their own glory. That's just reality. And, you know, they weren't spotting me at all. They didn't share spots with me, nothing. I felt more alone at that tournament. And honestly, like for a world's level event, all these things add up to be unsafe for somebody. When somebody is psychologically stressed, they don't perform as well. And there's a huge com- there's a huge component in free diving of that. It's like a wild card. And so I, I'm really unimpressed with the level of safety at world's levels events. And for all the new divers out there who are thinking that that is the direction they want to go, please, as it currently is, if they don't change anything, don't do it. It is not worth spending $5,000 of your own money for an event for fish you don't get to keep for people literally swimming over you with a loaded gun right above your head. Like Worlds in Italy was a shit show. Okay. It was a dumpster fire shit show. I have all the respect in the world for the Italians, the team, but when you get that many divers in a congested area, it's not even fun. It's just not. And so, and there's, I wish there was a one up, one down thing. I wish that the safety recovery vests, like the Senso 7, I wish they were encouraged to be used. But they don't. The the Senso, 
the Senso the Senso Seven vest. I, I'm familiar with the FRV, yeah. which I understand Terry Masters no longer producing. Is that, that is correct? correct, and I, yeah, I, he lives in my area, north of LA, and it's mm. like he's just down the road from me. And no, he's I think passed either this year or next. He's no longer servicing them, but the new, yeah. the new Senso Seven, I've tested it. Mm. Um, a Danish champion diver I know has tested it. It's a decent device. It's simple. It's way more simple than the FRV. The price break is honestly, I think it's like eight hundred bucks. Which, yeah, in the United States, you can't even ride an ambulance one mile for eight hundred bucks. Okay, so like eight hundred bucks yeah. is really not that much to spend on a life-saving anti-drowning device. I encourage people to use them. I really do, and then. There's like a stigma against solo divers out there. And you're not going to stop people yeah. from diving solo. And actually in Scandinavia. No, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, and in Scandinavia, there's a, it's, it's actually part of the culture. A lot of people dive solo out there. I don't recommend wreck diving solo, but people do it. And it's, you know, as the sport grows, it's just, you know, the, the death numbers are just going to go up. Like, I'm still hurting over the loss of my friend Didrik, Arctic's bureau. Yeah. That gutted me. You know, yeah. the culture of drinking, and even if you're, like, the days before a dive, and then not having the sense to stop your buddy, hey, man, why don't you sit down for the day? I'm not blaming anybody here. Yeah. But I am saying that Yeah, yeah. it's unfortunate that just because you're, you think you're with somebody on a boat that you're not solo diving, if your dive buddy cannot grab you within arm's reach, you are solo diving. Period. Yeah. And it really, really sucks. So much of our diving off here is drift diving and current over deep, deep reef, you know. Like if you're diving past 20 meters and the vis is 10 and you've got current as well and, you know, like it's just, it's, you know, buddy diving is kind of like, you know, you surface, you make a whistle and then your buddy kind of looks over and goes, oh, sweet, yeah. and swims over to you. And, Unfortunately, that's a lot of some of the diving that the guys over here do. Yeah. And uh, there's some definite, definite sa- safety considerations. Didrik's um, passing was, was awful. You know? He was a phenomenal, talented guy who was an absolute amazing sweet, um, young Spiro. Just a sweet person. And I dove Worlds that year, like not long after that happened. And I just, you know, it sets a it puts a thing in the back of your mind, like, okay, here I'm diving this deep on my own and nobody's got my back. Maybe there's not a lot of, yeah. maybe there's not a lot of current, but I'm alone and I'm okay being alone. But I also know when something is a risk you can't manage, you know what I mean? Mm. So I just, yep, I do. I really want the new guys out there to read about these stories think really carefully about your dive buddies you know having 700 dollars carbon fiber fins means dick if you're not being safe like you could do the you could dive in duck fins you know d- stop spending money on so much money on gear before you spend time money and effort on safety and, re- and you know learn cpr learn something it's crazy to me that, that yeah. guys here will spend so much, and I say guys, and I mean both genders or anything in between, 
Yeah, I, I get it. Right. <laughs> um, they spend so much money on gear. I'm like, yeah, but can you do CPR? Have you taken a free diving class? No. Take a free dive class then. Learn CPR. It's a yeah. hundred bucks. I don't. But that. But I'm. I'm salty when it comes to that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? I just. I really. I would love to participate more in different spear fishing competitions, but I feel like I feel like we we don't have a global culture that's safety minded yet. And beyond no. and beyond just the dangers of diving deep alone, you know, there's also the social aspect too. Like, do you really want to pay that much money for some of these events? for you know and to be stressed out with like team politics and stuff like that you could take that money and go shoot a dog tooth tuna somewhere and be way less drama and quite frankly a bit more sustainable like instead of shooting reef fish that take a long time to grow you can go shoot mahi mahi or something that grows fast i don't know something Mm -hmm. but i think sometimes the beauty of of going with a local guide is that um you know i was chatting with um, some of the guys earlier, and they were they were talking about, you know, when you're out with, on a, with a guide, like the fish is going to like local villages, and uh, you're not taking a lot of fish with you. You maybe you're eating enough to get a good feed, and then, you know, you, you're shooting stuff that the local people want. I mean, that, I think that's a good form of of spearfishing um, tourism, yeah. as a, you know, provided we're we're sticking with smart bag limits and stuff like that, yeah. and you know, all the all the, all the stuff that goes with it. But I think local knowledge, like. The, the best positioned conservationist is someone that understands their local environment and ecosystem to the best of their yeah. ability. And then they're able to hand that knowledge on to others and help them to make informed decisions. Um, I'm, not, I'm not going against the DIY people that, that love to travel and just try and work it all out on the fly, yeah. but um, but there's something to tapping into local, local knowledge. I firmly agree with that. And I think that if new divers really want to make – a better impact on the sport they can purposefully seek out the local knowledge and really respect that like for example if you go down to la paz or baja now the local yep. guides are actually discouraging people from shooting a lot of the parrotfish which i think is a good thing like yep. yes you can legally take it but they're discouraging people from doing it because they want to keep the population healthy and they see where spearfishing has made a huge impact on the local parrotfish so i think i think listening to local people and respecting like or like if you go to norway respect the fish camp if they have a limit of 130 centimeters on a halibut don't show up with a 150 have some discipline if you see a fish that big and you can't measure it have some respect and don't shoot it trust me you'll see another one they're everywhere you know Put the ego aside, and and if you're going to be a tourist, please be a welcome guest and not and not a destructive intruder. And I don't, yep. Love it. you know, and, and make a plan for your meat. If you're going to go shoot a elk, chances are you're not going to show up with your thumb in your ass and not have a plan for your meat. Do the do the <laughs> same thing with some fish. You know, not every not every local village in Norway wants you to dump your meat on them. It's just, you know, they're not like a starving third world country. They'll probably take it, but at the same time, that's kind of shitty. Just 
shoot what you intend to eat and take out of the country. Equalising problems can be something that derail you. Not today, my friend. Go to freedivingfamily.com. Check out the, either the Frenzel and Advanced Frenzel video or the Mouthful and Deep Frenzel Equalization course at freedivingfamily.com. You can use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course at freedivingfamily.com. These courses are put together by Adam Stern and a select team of, of, of legends and to help you overcome different issues and help you perform better. And some of them are extremely relevant for freedive spearing. Check it out at freedivingfamily.com. Use the code SPIRO to get 20% off any course. Great news for the people that are not a fan of the tax man. The men in grey suits, the nasty buggers that like to sometimes show up and try and ruin ah, a fun spearfishing life. Ocean Guardian have got some great things for us. They have got the Freedom 7 and the Scuba 7, which also come with a discount when you use the code NoobSpiro. Visit noobspiro.com forward slash OG, and that will take you to Ocean Guardian's site. Check out some of their stuff. They've got the best stuff on the market, bar none. It's powered by Shark Shield technology, the world's most effective electrical shark deterrents. They're scientifically proven and tested, backed by multiple published research papers, tested and approved by governments all over the world. They continue to innovate in this space, and the Freedom 7 could be perfect for your spearfishing life. Get 10% off when you use the code NoobSpiro on the Freedom 7. Just head to noobspiro.com forward slash OG. Check it out now. Kelsey, you've shot some phenomenal fish over the years. You've got a number of different world records, but I'd love to hear a story about a recent hunt or stalk that you that stands out in your memory? Uh, well, so I, I'm an avid sea bass hunter. Okay, California white sea bass. It looks a whole lot like your Jewfish or Mulloways. You guys call them Mulloways, right? Okay. Yeah. It's, it's a big croaker, yeah. basically. And I've been hunting those <laughs> things for, yeah. I don't know, about the, more than a decade. And I've broken the world record like several times. And I broke it again last year and I got a 77 pounder. That hunt, that is one hunt I do where, okay, I know it's taboo to talk about solo diving, but I, I am not, I do not want to be social when I'm hunting sea bass. I don't want people talking to me, no cell phones. That's my me time. That's my cave, my woman cave. So I like to go out by myself and just, not talk, just listen. Just when you listen to the sea bass croak when they come into the kelp beds here, it is just like a song, and it's one of the most amazing feelings in the world. Seeing like these giant, you know, almost two meter long fish just come through this forest. It's like I, I don't know, Shaq, if you've ever swam in a proper kelp forest. I know you guys have kelp there, but no. This is like no, I haven't. like imagine walking through a really thick forest and seeing the sunlight beam like rays through the 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 branches. It's like that underwater. Yeah. And there's songs, there's fish making noise everywhere. And when the big girls come in to like set up for the night where they like to sleep in the kelp bed and the males come in and they start croaking and that lets the females know, hey, it's it's safe to come in here. And if you don't shoot the first one you see, you actually just have some patience and restraint. You'll start to see more coming in. It's a little thing I do where I don't, if I see one, I don't 
even if I have a good shot, I'm not going to take the first shot. I'm going to let them come in and get comfortable. And it's just so rad to see these huge, gravid females just cruising around. They're just so big. I'm, you know, I'm not a very tall person. I'm a petite woman. And so some of these fish are about as long as I am tall. And it's wow. it's just, it's humbling to me because I'm a tiny creature. And then I'm almost on equal terms with this animal that could drag me around as soon as I shoot it. And it's like every, every year I hunt sea bass. Um, I try to beat my own personal best every year. I don't care about the world record. That's just a side bonus. And last year I was lucky enough to get a 51 pounder on pole spear. And I'm the first woman to ever pole spear one. I'm still waiting for them to approve that one, but I was really stoked. I got a 77 pounder and a 51 pounder last year. So spear, spear gun and pole spear. And I, I can't tell you how much hard work Shrek went into designing a pole spear that would actually be functional in a thick forest of kelp because it's a pain in the ass swinging that thing around and then holding yeah. it loaded. Yeah. I can and imagine. you can't use those like, you can't use those trigger devices for a world record on a pole spear. You know that you can't right. use that. And so like, you know, I spent a lot of time training my hand to be strong enough to hold that, <laughs> that really thick pole. Fully yeah. cocked. And then I, cr I created yeah, yeah. my own belt reel to manage what would happen next with my own custom bungee. I made all that <laughs> gear by myself. I made, I made the yeah, belt cool. reel with like a piece of a, it was an old reel with like a custom design cutting board from Walmart. I just cut up a cutting board. It's like the perfect plastic and I made it and I yeah, made right. it so that it could like, if I had to ditch it in an emergency, it wouldn't like pull down my weight belt and get stuck around my ankles and drown me. So I, I thought of all this. It took me months to create a design that worked. And I tested it and tested it and tested yeah. it on like smaller fish. And Shrek, when I shot that 51 pounder, she wasn't the biggest one in the school, but she was the one that gave me the shot. And that's what should matter. The yeah. weight of the fish should be irrelevant, but the quality of the shot should matter the most. And all hell broke mm. loose. Let me tell you something. And just like, and it's dangerous, actually, that moment when they bolt and all that kelp and structure because kelp. you can you can easily drown. And it was mm. it was just I don't recommend people to do that alone. You know, that's a risk I take because I don't have kids. <laughs> but um, the amount of planning that went into thinking in my head how it would play out with such a big animal a, a fish i've hunted every year for almost 15 years and having shot a lot of really big ones i know just how dangerous can, it can be when you have one like that tied up at the bottom of a kelp bed and there's almost no vis and we do have sharks here that can and will eat your fish and so yeah you got large seven gills as yeah is the common one, yeah, we it? have them, and so like time is ticking when you got that thrashing fish to not only end it out of its own misery, so it's not suffering, but also to get your fish mm. out of the water. And we've had a lot of seven gills eat people's fish recently in recent years. Um, mm. Personally, I think boaters on the water are the 
biggest danger, not the great whites, but we do have great whites too. And I've, I've kayaked over a few of them where I dive for sea bass. <laughs> like, <I'm> not, <laughs> they weren't huge ones, but they were still enough to, to be a problem. Like, yeah. If you know where to go, it's not uncommon to see a shark. I've seen some footage of my buddy, Eric Anderson over oh, yeah, there. Eric. He's in Central Cal. I think he was out off um, Channel Islands. He's got some really good footage of a, of a solid great white. We have some big tankers, you know, and it's funny, like, oh, this is just a side tangent, but like, you know, everybody who dives with great whites, I'm like, yeah, you try that shit in California and you see how well that goes for you. <laughs> <laughs> you see how well that goes. Talk to Andre Hartman in South Africa. You go dive with those great whites and let me know how that works out for you. Did you hear about the scuba diver recently in Mexico? No, I'm no, but I wouldn't be surprised if <laughs> a great white it 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 ate him head first, just bit his head off. Oh yeah, they. I was reading about it. They do that. I was just like, what? they do that down there. Wow. Like, uh, you know, Guadalupe. Yeah. You know, I know the son of, I know the son of a man. He watched his father get beheaded by a great white. I'm not going to mention. Yeah, I think I've yeah, it's, I've talked to people that were there as on that same day. Um, yeah, and so yeah, I know what you're talking about. So and crazy. Oh, and so because I dive those kinds of waters with great whites, I also actually carry a tourniquet, a cat tourniquet with me. Yeah, and that saved a buddy of mine yep. who got bit up in Northern California. You know, it was the wow. sheriff who put a tourniquet on him. The guy got bit on his, and he was not solo. He was he was with his dad, and it you know, the shark came within a hair's breadth of his pork and beans, but it was the tourniquet that ended up saving wow. him. Guy still died to this day. Wow. Yeah, he guardian angel. So I mean, it's no joke. I don't awesome. I don't go anywhere here without a VHF radio or or a cat tourniquet. And if the new guys out there want to think about having that in their dive bag. There's a lot of places without cell signal, but if you've got just even a little VHF radio, that's a chance. You know, think about think about that. Yeah, I got to be honest. One of my dreams is to come over and dive um, the California kelp forest. Like I narrated this um, this spearfishing film called A Journey Beneath, oh. and uh, cool. there's a massive section in there in California, and the soundtrack that they chose to go with the way the light cascades through yeah. that beautiful California kelp forests. It looks just like it's, it's, it's hard to describe, but they picked out the soundtrack and like, it was mesmerizing, like put, put it firmly in on the top of my, you know, five places I'd love to go and go diving in my lifetime. It is, it is breathtaking Shrek. And if you should want to plan that trip, I, you know, I can't promise you a luxury yacht to dive from, but I do have a I do have a fleet of kayaks, and if you want a true California diving experience, um, <laughs> do do give it some time. Our our winter storms have really wiped out our kelp beds this year. It's going to actually be a hard time yeah. finding sea bass because we've just had a brutal winter in terms of just storms destroying a lot of the kelp beds. So probably later this year, if you want to maybe plan for the winter. The other thing with that kelp is it's got an extraordinary growth rate too, doesn't it? Because like it rebuilds after these storm seasons. It it does usually. You know, there's some years where a kelp bed won't come back. We've I've seen that a couple times. 
um, where a kelp bed will be there one year and it's just not for like five. And then all of a sudden it'll come back five yeah. years later. Um, there is a diving I really want you to try and it's called jade diving. You're familiar with jade You're diving. familiar with the precious mineral right. jade like in New Zealand, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. California yeah. has one of the very few place spots in the world where you can actually dive for Big Sur California jade. And wow. and if you want a truly California style diving experience, I can grab an extra kayak for you. I can bring the husband along. You'll love him. He's a, he's just hilarious. You guys would click. Trust me. Um, that sounds excellent. Well, you know, I'll teach you how to bomb through the surf on one of those things. And um, I'll be there to film you if you fail. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll go. We'll I've go. heard so much about the yard sales with oh, the yeah. kayaks. I've, but I've, I've, got the, I've, I've got good kayak game. Dude, dude I could. It'll be fun. And we can go dive for jade. So I can't promise you a big sea bass. That's kind of a that's a specialty thing that involves a bit of luck. But the, the gray ghost. I I mean I can try. I do have some good halibut yeah. spots that I'm more than happy to share with you. Just don't put them on. This just don't put good. them online. Californians are. I'll tell you. I'll oh. tell you. Well, you can post your fish, just not the background. <laughs> that's a. Yep, yep. Spot, spot. Yeah, Cali- especially California divers, we are very particular about posting images that might reveal where you got a sea bass because it's all about timing, right? So, yep. like, there is nothing of a greater hallmark of a noob diver than one that shoots their first sea bass and they post the photo like the next day and they show the shore. Nothing, yeah, nothing, yeah. nothing says this is my first big sea bass than that. Right there. And so seasoned sea bass divers and seasoned California divers have figured out it is culturally taboo here to do that. And a lot of us get really quiet during the spring. And, you know, for me, I've learned, I've learned too, like, if I post a picture, it might be half a year later or a year later. Never any time close. It's just not what I do. You can come with me. There's a bunch of stuff for that. Sounds awesome. Yeah. I'm 100% going to take you up when it happens. Or if you'd like, if you make it over to Scandinavia, if you would like to dive with us, with me and my husband, it's it's cold, but we have a hot shower and hot yeah. food. And, you know, we, <laughs> our, our little cabin boat has a diesel heater in it. We just installed, so you won't be cold for long awesome that sounds magic this is a, one of the beautiful things about having this podcast kelsey i get to connect with people like you and have these opportunities of a lifetime it's, you know what even if it's like a three kilo fish it'll be a fun hunt it's yeah. really unique and it'll taste really good so 100 percent. it was cool it was cool to hear about your white sea bass and and thank you very much for um this offer of you you, you know your guys hospitality i, I would 100 percent like to take you guys up on it Legends, get your froth on with some Noob Spiro gear. The Jobfish Tribute, Spiro Dad, Rancid Pelican from flip-flops, crocs and socks through to hats, shirts and stickers. Get your froth on with Noob Spiro at noobspiro.com. If your buddy had a blackout on your next spear fishing trip, think, what would the outcome of that be? 
Do you know how to revive someone from a blackout? Would you even be in a position to do something about it? Or would you be diving, chasing after a fish as your buddy sinks down to the bottom of the ocean? Do you know where most blackouts happen? Do you know what you can do to minimize your risk of having a blackout? My name is Ted Hardy, and I'm the founder of freedivingsafety.com. In my free online course, you will learn the truth about shallow water blackout, the myth of, I don't push myself, I know my limits, I'm in tune with my body, how to minimize your risk of having a blackout, and most importantly, how to save your buddy's life if they have one. Visit freedivingsafety.com to sign up for your free course today. Dive safe out there. It's just not even that hard. We've got to head on out of here very shortly. I wanted to talk quickly about your equipment and possibly um, what what you're working on or what you're excited about in the spearfishing world and then maybe where people can get in touch with you. So first of that was equipment. Uh, I noticed you, your rock and polo sub suits. Are you sponsored by them or do you just love those suits? I am currently supported by polo sub, yes. And, yeah. and also I really love the quality of their suits. I've, I've tried just about every wetsuit out there, including Weddy and foreign brands, Norwegian brands. I've tried all of them. And all of them have their pros and cons, right? The polo sub is custom to my body. And I have, you know, I'm not a tall person, but I'm very particular about how my wetsuit fits, especially on my neck. And they do such a wonderful job making those wetsuits that it's really hard to get to, to use anything else. You know, they say once you once you go custom, you don't go back. And it is true. But I, I do have some other suits that I, you know, the, with, with the Lycra outside skin. But if you're going to dive where I dive, which is right next to icebergs, you do not want anything less than that smooth exterior. The thermal, the thermal difference is, like, unmatched. Um, I would not wear that wetsuit in California because I would die of heat. Like, I bathe naked in the fjords when it's, when it's like, you know, the water temperature is like three or four. That's not a problem for me. <laughs> it, it, it's wonderful on your joints, trust me. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. the polo substitute, like, if I'm going to spend long hours and dive deep and i'm literally diving right next to icebergs like water's so cold that my dive watch stops working <laughs> and I, <laughs> like it's just nothing better and um it, even you even your farts have arthritis dude, yeah <laughs> that actually helps actually <laughs> actually cold water therapy has really helped with with digestive yeah. issues and there's a lot of people out there that suffer from like IBS and they don't even know it yep. and it's it's kind yeah, of a yeah, big yeah. thing and actually like that cold water therapy is just wonderfully therapeutic for everything from depression to many other things and there's a lot of research to be done on that I've been listening to some yeah I've been listening to some they did uh I was listening to Andrew Huberman oh, okay. on Rogan recently, and they were talking specifically about cold water therapy. And um, I've been wanting to DIY something myself in the backyard, but um, it's it's sort of just one of those projects I've been thinking about, but have not had the time to execute on. Well, um, once you start doing it on a regular basis, your body will start to crave it. Mm. It's a very interesting thing. Yeah. And so, 
Yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, there's some things you shouldn't really mix with freediving, like breathing techniques, mm. like the William Hoff method. Be super careful mixing that with freediving. You understand? Yeah. That should be yep. simply cold, cold water therapy, just that, in that box. So do yep. be careful on some yep. of those things. Love it. So, and there's actually... That's a good caveat. It I is. And, and actually, like, extreme cold water diving is, is inherently really dangerous because your body does things that you don't, that don't happen to you in, in warm, warm water. And so the risk mm. of dehydration and blood shunting and and other things we still don't know really really just how profoundly very cold free diving affects the body that's that is research that is yet to be done you know it's it's very it's mm. very much a nascent field but there could be something to be learned from that and that's that is in that is a interest of mine for my career i'll say that well if you have anything interesting Send me that stuff because I love to have a read and geek out on it. So um, I'm just cognizant of time. So Polo yeah. Sub, fantastic custom suits. Um, what other sponsors do you have? And what other gear do you have a strong preference for? Uh, so I'm sponsored by myself with much of my gear. Um, a lot of times, <laughs> I'm serious. Like I, you know, sometimes it's just, it's just so much easier to just bang out some more work. I just buy the, just buy it, you know, because with sponsorship and arrangements, there's always this, like, there's a lot of hidden work that goes into that. And it's like, it's just cheaper to just work an extra hour and buy it, you know, than spend five hours pumping something. So somebody else, you know, so I'm very particular about sponsorships these days. I've had great sponsorships. I've had not so great ones. I've had arrangements that were completely unfair to me. And people thought I was crazy for leaving one big company years ago. And I'm like, they treated me, honestly, it really was not a good deal. Like what kind of a sponsor doesn't even give you a gun? Like that's, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not working that hard just to put your sticker on my lunchbox. I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm not. It's a, good, I'm just, it's a good balance. I'm sorry. But it's, but so the sponsor, that I have right now, one of them is Red Tide Spearfishing. GR Tar has been a friend of mine oh, for many years. Yeah, he's a yeah, legendary yeah. diver. He's just a warm personality to be around. He's treated me very well. He has a variety of spear guns that he he puts together, and you know, I've been a big fan of the, especially since traveling is so damn expensive with heavy wooden guns. Um, mm. I just like. I just like the simplicity of it, the lightweight, and I and I haven't had any problems so big fish with rail guns. Sorry, so. it cut. Oh, okay. So, sorry, it cut out your which which gun was that? Is that so? You're using a GRTAR Red Tide um, rail gun. Yeah. Well, so I use a combination of his wooden guns and his rail guns for competitions. I only use ah, okay. the pipe guns only. Um, for sea okay. bass, I I'm old school California where I like to use a wooden gun for hunting sea bass. That's just a tradition of mine, but I've also taken them. Yeah. I like a big old American plank. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And, and we have a very distinct, we, we, we do, we do. I mean, that, that actually sounded worse than it. Oh, wow. That could have been a dick joke. There you go. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I have a Dan- I have a Danish plank, and he's the best in the world. Um, the <laughs> the mid handle is a very California type design, but I've actually yep. started using a lot of rear handles. But honestly, like a mid handle wooden gun is like really ideal for sea bass, especially since you can kind of kind of like make it go upside down right. and 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 pull it back, and you can like lower your profile in the water. That's kind of a a trick to hunting them is to like not be an intimidating presence and chase after fish like jack the ripper but um oh and i have to give a lot of appreciation to dive r ray has ray has just been a sweetheart over the years he's he dubbed me he gave me the nickname croaker killer a long time ago like oh (laughs) <laughs> I can't do your accent that well, so just you'll have to excuse me. Oh, Croker Killer. And he's just like, he's just such a great guy. And his fins, yeah. I have a set of his fins that I've been using for, I'm not kidding, 10 years. And they're still going. Mm. And they've got a, yeah, yeah he's, he's just, you know, he's a person I consider the salt of the earth. And if anybody wants high quality fins, definitely give him. Definitely give him some consideration. Red Tide supplies a lot of my guns, and I make a lot of gear. Like I make my own bungee lines. I do a lot of custom gear making. Like there's there's gear I have that doesn't exist in stores. Mm-hmm. Like when I made my belt reel, you know, I I would look at other belt reels and like, oh man, that thing looks like a toilet seat. That does not. It's just not going to work for me in California kelp. <laughs> You know, like a lot of Florida type designs are horrible choices for the California environment. So I just, it, I yeah. made something that wasn't out there. And cool. You know, I, there's not a lot of women that do that, but I'm a, I'm nah. a tinkerer. I've always, you know, and I've also not been a rich person most of my life. You know, I come from very humble yeah. country roots where we didn't have a whole lot of money. And so, we just made everything and I got used to, I got used to doing that. Like, you know, if, if, if my truck needed to be fixed, I did it. I didn't take it into a shop. If it was the timing belt. Fine. I read the manual and just get it done. <laughs> read the manual. These days it's a YouTube video, Kelsey. Oh, can I be honest? Like, okay. I know, I know YouTube yeah. is like everybody's go to, I'm going to be, this almost sounds bad to say, but I have not, I am, I don't subscribe to any YouTube channels for Spiros. That sounds horrible to say, but I just lack the time. Like if I'm on YouTube, it's literally to look up how to fix an engine and that's it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, apologies <laughs> to anybody out there. If I'm not subscribed to you, I, I just lack time. I think you like a lot of Spiros, Kelsey. A lot of people like that. That that and there's there's a part of spearfishing that I think the newer generations don't really understand, and that's the whole idea of discovery. Like I don't want to watch a YouTube video on the places I dive for halibut, and where I dive for halibut is not Norway. That's all I'll say on that. I've done decades of research into places where nobody goes. I want to be the one to figure it out. And if it costs tens of thousands of dollars over a decade, that's me earning it. I don't want to take the easy route and just look in a book and say, oh, 
there it is. I can just die of this spot. That means nothing to me. So when you're a woman like myself, you make your own gear, you load your own guns, and you don't have a man put you on a fish, and you do it yourself, it doesn't matter if it's the world record or not. Nobody can take that away. And that gives, yeah, that yeah. gives me such a more deep sense of satisfaction. Like with, like, like with all my sea bass, I don't have a guy help me carry that thing up the cliffs. I have my, like, I even, I won't even let my husband go with me. He can claim credit for that work, but it's really hard to like, yeah. post, it's, it's really hard to share that feeling with the world because I've had people say, Oh, well, oh, you're full of yourself. Okay. I can't control what you think of me. You don't know my journey. Yeah. You don't know the hell I've been through. But if I, if I want to take credit for one accomplishment, who are you to tell me no? Well, Kelsey, you've inspired me. I think you've inspired people that are listening. I love your autonomy. Your, you know, your your um, determination to be, you know, self determined and and uh, and free. And and uh, there is a, a huge reward in what you're talking about. I've had a I've had a blast chatting with you. I, I know that probably a bunch of people are going to want to connect with you. Um, how can they do so, please? Okay. Um, I would say go to social media. <laughs> I'm, I am not currently active on there, but that is the best way to reach me. I go through periods. At Dr. Underscore Kelsey. Yeah. Right? Or, or you can find me on Facebook. Um, I am sorry that I can't get back to people right away. Like, Shrek, I don't even have it on my phone anymore. Like, I have to be at my desk computer to check it, and that's so I don't waste time on social media anymore. Yeah. yeah. So, but if, that's but okay. if people want to connect with me, that is the best way. Um, just forgive the time it might take me to get back to you. <laughs> um, it's That's just how I am. I'm just really, really busy right now with my career and working on a set lot to undertake. Awesome, Kelsey. Well, good luck with your second doctorate. I, I am going to look you up at some stage in the future, and I hope um, you know, you're successful with everything you do, and um, I wish you and Kale all the best, uh, and I will be in touch with you soon. But thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. I'm, I really enjoyed our chat. You have a well-organized, well-researched set of questions, and I appreciate the random catching me off guard i appreciate that and also i appreciate somebody to laugh about fart jokes with that's great <laughs> awesome, I thought, i'm not we'll i'm you. not even afraid to talk about it it's just it's just part of being human you know so. mm. and and for all the listeners out there the new guys and gals please think about what i said when it comes to just thinking about your fish is more than just a fish please treat it with the same respect as like a deer or anything else you would hunt. And just don't, don't let a fish suffer just because of a hero picture. Just treat it like the food that you're going to eat with the respect that it deserves. That's all I, that's all I ask for. Awesome. Love all right. Kelsey. Check. Have a great night. It's uh, it's pretty late here past my bedtime, but <laughs> I wish, I wish you the best. And, Seriously, you can you can dive with my husband and I, whether we're in California or Scandinavia. We'd be happy to take you out and honored. Awesome. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed Kelsey Albert today. She's really cool. I enjoyed 
a lot of the big meta themes that came up in that conversation. She's a very thoughtful person and uh, what an absolute pleasure getting to have her and legends like her on the podcast every other week. Hey, two weeks time, I've got Eckhart Bankenstein. He's running a crazy spearfishing retreat in Africa. You get to go spearfishing, do some safari stuff, look at some wildlife and absolutely froth on an amazing culture unlike any other uh, we discussed that and a whole bunch more. Uh, Eckhart Benkenstein, we also talk about southern bluefin tuna, processing such a big fish, how to do it right and how to get it right from the start and not make some of the costly mistakes and potentially put a whole lot of fish to waste. So come back in two weeks, Eckhart Benkenstein. I really enjoyed that one. Again, thank you to the Patreon legends having to power this podcast on an episode-by-episode episode basis at patreon.com forward slash noobsparrow. You can support the show on an episode-by-episode basis for as little as $1 an episode and uh, put food in the trick. I mean, fuel in the outboard. (coughs) But anyway, hey, come back again and enjoy me for Eckhart. Thanks for listening, guys. Catch ya. My partner and I are getting into spearfishing and didn't know where to start. The staff here at the Adreno Woolongaver store were great and spent a lot of time with us helping work out exactly what we needed. We'll be going back whenever I need more gear. That review from Lachlan. Buy your spearfishing gear at Adreno. They've got huge spearfishing mega stores all over the country, or you can shop online at adreno.com.au. Even better, sweeten it up with the code NoobSpiro. Save yourself $20 on every purchase over $200. Check it out, adreno.com.au. Absolutely mint customer service. Specialty spearfishing equipment, elite spear gun performance components, unforgettable reliability. You want to find out where to buy this? Punchaneptonics.com and shop at the best US spearfishing store, neptonics.com. Free shipping to the lower 48 when you spend over 199 and you can use the code NOOB10 to save 10%. This is your chance to save DOSH, buy deadly good gear and experience A-grade customer service. Will you shop at the best? Visit neptonics.com. Use the code NOOB10 to start shooting 35-pound muttons tomorrow. Actual performance may differ from advertisement. Please refer to terms and conditions to see if you're eligible to be a legend-like track. This advertisement was not even endorsed by Jerry and the team at Antonics. Hoorah and God bless America.